The 2020 Pitt football season was unlike anything anyone would have predicted at the end of 2019. But as oh so many Pitt football seasons are, it ended in disappointment and the feeling of what if. We'll discuss that and more on this week's Hail to Pitt podcast. it in these final 30 minutes. Well, you know, it happened in, it happened in West Virginia where we knocked off number two. It happened in South Carolina and it's happening in Pittsburgh today. Our guys had a lot of guts tonight. We're just going to keep getting better. I mean, it's just, that's what it is. There's one home game that you will never, ever forget. We shocked the world! Hell to pit. Hell to pit. This is the week of December 26th, 2020. This is the Hail to Pit podcast, and I am Hail to Pitter, Alan Tosinski. I'm Vince. And I'm Pam. And while the season on the football field is over, and there's tons of speculation about coaching changes and players staying and going... And fans just trying to find some little modicum of optimism wherever they can find it. We can now officially put all of the attention necessary on the hardwood where it belongs this time of year. Conference schedules underway. A lot to be hyped about this week. So let's get into it. Vince, Pam, Merry Christmas to you both. It's one of the merriest weeks of the year, even though Pitt will not be going to a bowl game, and the season is now over. Merry Christmas to you, Alan. Um, it, yeah, it, it'll be excited, uh, exciting to have uh, some time off here to celebrate the holidays and, and watch some some Pitt basketball, as you said, really getting into it. Yeah, took down Miami last week, Pam, and I stuck it in my in-laws' face. They watched about, ooh, four minutes of the game, and they couldn't take much more. But I don't blame them. Miami was pretty uh, banged up going into that game, so Pitt got away with one maybe facing a team that was uh, limping into that contest. Yeah, and uh, they had some injuries during the game, Miami, so they were shorthanded and they had some injuries during the game. But hey, a win's a win, and it's a type of win that in years past this uh, Panthers team can't um, seem to pull out at times. So it's good to see them. They Not only are they, they win games like that that they should win, but they look a lot better too. I mean, Champagne's a star. We'll get into it a little bit here. Yes, we will. We're going to be talking hoops, but we also have our football season in review this week. And that's all coming up right here on the Hail to Pit podcast at H2P show on Twitter. If you want to follow us on social media, you could email us hail the number two pit podcast at gmail.com. And of course, we appreciate all the feedback we get on social media or on Panther Lair on Reddit. We love the love that you give us. We're giving you love by doing the show every week because we're doing it. For Pitt fans and to talk Pitt, Pitt football, basketball, sports with all the Panthers out there. This show is brought to you by Pretty Easy Podcasts. You could go to prettyeasypodcast.com today to get started on your new podcast that you've been thinking about starting in 2021. A lot of podcasts are going to be started up next year, Pam. And the place to get started is at prettyeasypodcast.com because there you can get a really affordable producer to help you get the thing off the ground and sounding great. Yeah, absolutely. Is your New Year's resolution to start a podcast or put your, <laughs> yourself out there? I mean, Pretty Easy Podcast is the best place to start. They're excellent to work with. Also, if you're a business professional or maybe you're a government body and you're running some sort of uh, office or a library and you need to do shows, you need content, you need to make people aware of maybe what trash men are doing all the time and you want to start a show hosted by the trash men in your city, go to prettyeasypodcast.com. Podcasting done the right way and done in a very simple way and a fun way, making podcasting a pretty easy, prettyeasypodcast.com. Football season review time, Vince. We have a Pitt Panther team that didn't contend for the ACC at all, really, this year. Lost some games they should have won. Had some 
of I'd say a few, a few high moments, highlights, uh, moments of exultation. Very brief, though. I think it was mostly pain, agony, misery, and waiting for this moment that we're in right now, the season to be over, at least for me personally. Yeah, uh, it, it it started off uh, in a very good, um, but then, you know, went downhill rather quickly. Um, just, you know, a couple, you know, really tough losses there, uh, you know, NC State and Boston College in particular um by by two combined points and and then then this losing streak started and they just they just couldn't get back on track and you know for me you know i i was saying you know coming this season that this was this was a put up or shut up time and that the this was was the best team narduzzi had had and there were very high expectations and we had to see an excellent season you know uh yeah there were reduced games here, but you were thinking you had to see like an eight and three mark at least. Uh, and that didn't happen. And, you know, so for me, uh, this, this team just did not live up to the expectations. I know it was a very difficult task, but they, they, they didn't get it done for me in 2020. Yeah. Two games short of that mark you were hoping for Vince and the expectations, Pam, I thought were, pretty high for the defense and for just some improvement in the offense. It's what I at least said at the beginning of the year, and a lot of it was said on this show at the beginning of the year. At the end of it, though, were the expectations met? Did you add asterisks onto the expectations as the COVID season went along, just thinking this is a throwaway year? What about from what about it from your perspective regarding the expectations of the Pitt football Panthers this year? I think it, I mean, we have no idea behind the scenes what these players and coaches and staff all went through. However, um, I think the biggest thing with the expectations not being met was early on in the year, the offense just, uh, I mean, it looked a little different in that Georgia Tech and then also the Virginia Tech game, but the offense just didn't look too different. And I, you saw glimpses when those young receivers were able, Pickett was able to connect with those young receivers and uh, they were able to provide a little bit of a spark. But I think that was the most frustrating part was the, the lack of offense. Um, The defense was still good. And I think there are some good things and, we'll get into some of the highlights and players that have really stepped up. But I think the defense, uh, I mean, they, they got steamrolled by Notre Dame and they got steamrolled by Clemson, but we can see that those are two of the best four teams in college football right now. And I, I think that's in, those are, aren't losses you look at. You do look at the Boston college and you look at the, uh, NC State loss and you even look at the Louisville win Louisville going into that game it was a big matchup um, and Louisville definitely fell flat on their face this year and so that win might not have even been as good you had Syracuse it was an eh they won um, that they were terrible this year so even their wins weren't even as impressive as maybe they were um, coming into the expectations, but I think the expectations weren't met, but I do think in some regards, we give them a little bit of a pass. They do did have a tougher schedule, but it's definitely something that you still feel a little disappointed regardless of the unprecedented times. As a program pit this year, I think really solidified, Hey, this is a place to come learn how to play defensive football at a pro level and maybe make it to the NFL. If you're an offensive player, uh, you're, this is this is your final stop. This is your final resting place for your career. You're probably going to go <laughs> nowhere. Uh, and also, Pitt uh, went into the season with the expectations the defense would be awesome. They maybe took a, a step or two back, but nothing major. They delivered, I thought. I agree, Pam. The offense, I was hoping, especially on the offensive line, for some improvement. There was none. Uh, and the losses to Boston College and, and North Carolina State really stand out to me as huge letdowns that should not have happened and I I do have to give at least as a staff and for how you normally judge a college football program I give them a pass on that front I don't I'm not out for anybody's job because just because of the year it was but I am 
if it weren't a COVID year, I would be probably calling for people to be fired on this show and and pretty upset as a fan because it was yeah. kind of ridiculous watching that offense this year. But they do get a pass from me on that on that front. But at the same time, I mean, some of these losses just I still have a terrible taste in my mouth from that North Carolina State loss, especially. I mean, that was a horribly refereed game. Don't get me wrong. But this is a pit team that could have done better. So overall, they may have underachieved. But then again, like Pam said, we don't know what the hell they were facing really when it comes to COVID, when it comes to the stress of a 2020 season. You must not pass judgment on these young men in 2020, Vince. You must not. The coaches maybe, but still, it's hard to assess in a year like this year. And and that's what that's what makes it tough. You know, a, a great coach in this town once said that there's a fine line between winning and losing. And you know, one point against Boston College, a missed extra point uh, in, in overtime, a one point loss to NC State, where you gave up multiple you know third and fourth down conversions at the end of the game. Uh, you know, Kenny Pickett. Uh, your 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 do everything quarterback opt for the game against Miami uh, in a game that you were even without him you were, you were you know, still somewhat competitive in. Uh, you look at those, and if you win one more of those games, if you win two more of those games, I think we're all looking at this as a drastically different season uh, and drastically different evaluation of success. But how many times have we said that? Uh, you know, it seems like we're always saying like, oh, if they would have won this game here, they would have won this game here that they could have had it, uh, then, you know, they would have a, a much better season. And then you start stringing a couple of those seasons uh, together in a row and you start really building a, a, a really good program. Um, it, it, it's just tough to look back at some of those games and think you know, how, how close they were. And, yeah, and it, maybe it kind of shows that, you know, the depth on the team just isn't there yet, or, or maybe that you know the coaching in some ways uh, needs to be adjusted. Um, I do think that they did kind of get better throughout the year in some aspects, uh, and it would have been interesting to see what it would have been like uh, if it was the regular schedule in a regular year, what they would have went up against. Uh, but you know, the bottom line is that you know, given that the schedule they had, while it was was difficult. Uh, there were still a couple more winnable games, uh, games that they they played well enough to win in. They should have had, but but it but they came out on, on the losing end, and that, and that's what's so so heartbreaking about it. Pam, let me ask you, what was the highlight of the season then for you? Um, I I've really enjoyed watching the Virginia Tech game. I think part of it was because they came out and they did exactly what they needed to do in all aspects of the game. From start to finish, they put their foot down and they just went for it. That was a fun game um, to watch and kind of just see this team succeed. I know Virginia Tech wasn't as good this year, but um, going back and looking at some of their wins, I I mean, the Louisville game, eh. But I think if you want to take one highlight away, I think like Kenny Pickett's toughness is a, is something that we can all um, hang our hats on a little bit there. I think that's his play um, in the Boston college game and uh, kind of just toughing it out and putting his team in a great position to win. I think those are two of the big highlights, but as a game, I'd say Virginia tech, a nice stress-free game there. Oh, I got to go the Louisville game. Uh, just because it was the best feast I had during a, a game, maybe my best social distancing experience hanging out with any any people in 2020. Few and far between, not a lot to pick from, Vince, but that was a great time. Yeah, I was going to say even that that first game against Austin P. Uh, you know, we had you know we had some great weather that day. Uh, you know, we were all, all watching the game together outside, socially distanced, of course, uh, and, and just had a blast. Uh, watching the Panthers just just destroy that team, and and then starting to think about how good we might be uh, as, far, as far as the game goes. Um, as far as the game, I think that was that was my highlight, even though you know maybe not necessarily for the team, but I'd say. Uh, but as far as a moment of this season, I think it's Kenny Pickett announcing that he's coming back for next season because I think that 
that's absolutely huge. We talked about it last week, how big it is, Alan. Uh, Kenny Pickett coming back for next season gives this team uh, a, a real shot um, to, to do something and, and to make some noise and maybe make next season what this season was supposed to be. Yeah, that that's awesome. We talked about last week to have, have the leadership come back, but also the announcement itself, just a good feel-good moment to end the season on. Really lift, like last week, uh, lifting spirits, we said, not as doom and gloom as you would think after a 6-5 and five season where we just literally said this is kind of a letdown year. They should have been better than this. But Kenny Pickett making that announcement. And also, here's some optimism for you. I mean, we've got corruption all over college football. And I'm enjoying every second of it. We've got sanctions in Florida, <laughs> sanctions in Tennessee. And I feel like, Pam, Pitt's going to benefit from some of this going on. LSU, I mean, Pitt already stole a recruit from them. Things are happening. I, you might even want to say the highlight of the season might have been all the pat signals going up because Narduzzi did kill it on the recruiting front, at least when it comes to projections for these players coming into college football. Yeah, you can make an argument with that. Um, and recruiting in these uh, tough times, not being able to get people on campus or going in person, um, you know, maybe they were best to stand in communication virtually, maybe lots of Zooms with these recruits. But that is a good highlight. Um, it's kind of funny that the highlights are building for the future. So um, hopefully that means good things on the horizon here. It, it does Do because... I was going to say, Vince, because going into the this year, you know, you felt like, well, there's a lot of talent that's going to be leaving from this team, so they got to get it while it's hot. But actually, there's more optimism than I could have thought at the end of the year than going into the year. Yeah, I think you look at, uh, you know, you look at what's coming back. Um, you know, yeah, you look at your your you're losing like your two def- best defensive players, uh, Patrick Jones, Rashad Weaver. But you look at the what was what's still coming back on that defensive line. You got to feel really good about it. Uh, you think that you know, offensively, uh, you know, you're going to have a new quarterback um, that you're going to have to replace. Well, and you can, maybe you got Jimmy Morrissey uh, and and, uh, and Hargrove moving on on the offensive line. And it's like, well, you saw at the end of the year some guys filled in and actually did pretty good. And you got Kenny Pickett coming back. Uh, so from that standpoint, um, I do think it looks really good. Um, as far as, as, you know, optimism. And as you said, Alan, the recruiting, um, yeah, these are, uh, these are, it is a pretty good recruiting class, I guess, but, you know, by all these, you know, so-called experts rankings. Um, I, I don't think these sanctions are really going to, uh, on these schools really, you know, have much of an impact. Um, but we'll, We'll see what happens. See if any of these guys can can make an impact next year. But uh, it seems like they are, you know, even though it hasn't shown up in the wins and losses, which is the most important. It does seem like they might be building a little bit better in terms of a roster. Now, for spring practice, looking ahead, what's there to be excited for if it happens? I think it does happen. Actually, if to ensure it happens, if I'm Pat Narduzzi. I would encourage all my players in the offseason to get real fat because if you're are you if you're clinically obese, you could be part of the phase B phase B vaccines, Pam. So you want to make sure your players get vaccinated before spring practice, hopefully, ideally, and then get it on and pop it with Kenny Pickett back at QB. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if they see like hope on the horizon, if they'd push spring practice back a week or two or a few, like a month or two and kind of get it in a little bit differently. If players do get vaccinated, it'd be something interesting to watch. Yeah. I could even see it being, you know, in, in normally it's in what March, March and April, maybe in like, you know, May or June or something like that. They could have like they, a mini they could camp have almost. It, yeah. You know, and then you know, only only one month off before the uh, before the you know the 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 training camp starts. I could I could see something like that happening. Um, but uh, if they if they do have this, um, I'm going to be uh, there's going to be two areas I'm really looking at. It's this offensive line. Um, it, who who do we think is going to be the you know the the starters there? Uh, we talked about it at length last week. You could go back and listen to it about how we do think that there are, there is some good talent there, some good young talent. It's 
going to be interesting to find the right combination. And then to me, uh, you know, this defense is looking you know, as, you know, as good as the times as it was next year. I think it could be even better next year. I really do. Uh, I think this defensive line is still going to be excellent. I think they're going to be even better this year, particularly up the middle. I think these linebackers are going to be excellent uh, next year. Uh, Wendell Davis coming off injury. Servassier Dennis is turning into a star at linebacker. But to me, it's going to come down to uh, these defensive backs, particularly these cornerbacks. Not quite sure who is going to step up and uh, and really take the reins there. There were a lot of different guys that played uh, 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 this year, and hopefully Damari Mathis, if he comes back, he comes back healthy. That would be a, a huge boost to this team. It's going to be interesting to see in that secondary who can step up. We know how important that is in this defense. Um, but those guys, to see who, who really takes a hold of that position. There's some excellent recruits coming in. There have got some guys that didn't play much, that, freshmen didn't play much this year. I'm going to be keeping my eye on that secondary in the spring. The offensive line, you said it there said it there too, though, Vince. I mean, the secondary is exciting for the with all the recruits you were talking about in the future and what Pat Narduzzi's been able to do with those players uh, since he started this program. But, man, something's do – you, do you attribute – a lot of the woes on the offense. I mean, the whole didn't the whole strength and conditioning staff leave at the beginning of the year? Didn't they lose everybody? And- yeah, they lost. Yeah, they took. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. I mean, maybe that has something to do with some of these uh, offensive line struggles. So, well, how that, much is it that? How much is it coaching? I mean that that that's that's also something to look at because what the way Whipple calls plays and how you, how those run plays look designed, maybe it's not totally on the strength and conditioning staff's uh, shoulders, but it did seem like Pitt, even with pretty big offensive linemen, went out there and maybe didn't get the push that you would have hoped for. Um, I, f- I feel like maybe another year under this, under this program uh, that they implemented in 2020 in its first year, That'll also hopefully go a long way. But, man, that was a disappointment. Um, again, we'd be calling for heads if this wasn't 2020. But I'm not calling for anybody's job uh, in these times right now. So Dave Borbley, Mark Whipple, and the rest of you, you're safe as far as the Hail to Pit podcast is well, concerned. Well, well, we, we should point out that there is a report on, on footballscoop.com uh, about Coach Rob Harley uh, taking a job at Arkansas State with new coach Butch Jones, presumably a defensive coordinator position. Uh, this hasn't been confirmed anywhere else, so we should, uh, as of you know, this live on tape show, uh, we're recording this and on Tuesday. Rob uh, Harley, no other information to interject real quick. Important in recruiting uh, under Pat. Yes, director of recruiting, yeah. coordinator of recruiting, head yeah. of recruiting. Yeah. Um, he yeah, taught Pat Narduzzi how to use Zoom. That's that's probably what he did. <laughs> Do you think in the days of these, uh, uh, you know, these socially distanced times uh, that like recruiting, you know, you got to use Zooms instead of meetings. Do you think that, you know, some coaches, you know, they have to like wire money to recruits instead of just handing them, you know, bags? Listen, I'm a Venmo you, but what you got to do is don't take the Venmo at and put it into your bank account. What you need to do is just use the Venmo from the Venmo and pay from Venmo. That way, no one will be able to know that we trace the money and make sure it's set as private. I always do my transactions as private on Venmo. But in all seriousness, um, you know, uh, Yes, recruiting could could take. Uh, I'm not not that it's going to take a huge step back, but you know this is a guy who's been here with Narduzzi since day one, making a lot of inroads uh, in certain areas. Now, Coach Partridge uh, has done an excellent job, you know, both locally and in Florida. Uh, we've seen the impact Coach Beatty has made in, in the Virginia uh, D.C. area. Um, so I, I'm not I'm not that concerned. Um, but I am very interested to see if they do uh, lose uh, Coach Harley, what they do as far as the, the restructuring of their uh, coaching staff. 
because as of right now, you know, you have, you know, Partridge coaching the defensive line. Uh, they have two different secondary coaches. Um, they have uh, Coach Bates, defensive coordinator. He has worked with linebackers in the past. Um, is it possible that, and this is something I was alluding to on last week's program, was could maybe one of those secondary coaches coach the linebackers, or could maybe Coach Bates, uh, in addition to his defensive coordinator responsibilities, coach the linebackers, maybe they bring in the, co- the coach that comes in, maybe he is an offensive coordinator, and maybe Whipple gets moved to strictly just quarterbacks. This could be an opening for something like that to happen. So there could be some some shuffling of the coaching deck uh, with this footballscoop.com report. And then, of course, eyeball and players and where they go. We already have a handful of players going to the draft. Who do we expect to be the highest Pitt Panther dra- drafted, Pam? Brashad Weaver? Um, I think so, yeah. I'm just looking at the names. Over Patrick Jones. Yeah, I definitely and okay. and over Jalen Twineman. I think Rashad Weaver is going to be the highest. He's he did really well this year. He's getting a lot of attention. I think uh, I definitely think Rashad Weaver. Um, going to be interesting to see Twi- players like Twyman, like you mentioned, like guys that sat out the whole year. If they do still get picked higher than like a guy like Weaver who played all season. Yeah, I think that. Definitely benefited Weaver. I don't know how much it hurt Twyman, but I think it definitely benefited Weaver. I'd say right now it seems like it hurt Twyman a lot. Uh, you, you don't really hear, you know, you look at some of these you know, these draft boards and mock drafts, and, and you don't see his name coming up very much at all as opposed to, you know, this time last year there were people raving about him. Um, but- and we don't know – what a com- combine is going to well, look like this year. We're not sure. Well, I mean, who knows? Hopefully they'll be able to do it. Well, but. I, you would think that they, that they would, uh, the, the, this is the NFL. They'll find that's, a way to make that's it happen. the, that's I, also I, I like no doubt about that. The original bubble event. So they shot, I would yeah. hope they could pull off a, a little combine. Uh, with a couple, I, I will say this, that, uh, that, that combine is going to be very important for Twine. Yes. That's um, what I was he has to. he has a, an opportunity to get himself the most uh, back on the, on the combine <laughs> of all time. He Could has be. an opportunity to get himself back in the in the first and second round radar uh, because usually if if you have a bad combine, hopefully you have a lot of good film uh, to to back that up. And not that Twyman doesn't have good film, but he, it's just very limited. Uh, I, I guess I will say Weaver still going to go be the highest drafted one. I, I think it's close between him and Jones. And as of right now, between, you know, a Paris Ford and, and uh, um, Jalen Twyman, I, I have no idea where, where, the, where those guys are going to go. I think their, their combines are going to be very important. And then also there's the names that we're also watching. Those guys are going to the NFL. We're rooting for them. But then you got your DJ Turners, your Phil Campbells, Jimmy Morrissey, Kessman. Expected to leave there, Vince, all those guys? Uh, DJ Turner, I guess, is, is is from last I've seen. He's you know he's still on the fence, uh, maybe. But you know all those other guys are are expected to to leave, I believe. Um, and and you know I, I think some of those guys are going to get get some get some opportunities, if not in the, in the NFL, maybe maybe in another football. Jimmy league. Morrissey's declared for the draft. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. I, he was just a, wanted to a, clarify a walk a walk on to the NFL maybe or maybe to the XFL. I could see Jimmy Morrissey as a great XFL team captain in the future. Hopefully, for, <laughs> he, for he the would LA be good mic'd up. On that. Oh, I mean, I, 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 no, he I doesn't want, seem like an LA Wildcats guy. Oh, I mean, next, playing with Storm Norton that'd be a great offensive line. But no, I I would love to see Paris Ford in the XFL more than any player because he talks the most. <laughs> Uh, players that we expect to stay at uh, Trey Tipton, who is, is this like his ninth year of eligibility? Uh, he'll be, he'll be probably sticking around John Patrician, Lucas Kroll, who I'm most excited to see develop a super friendship with Kenny Pickett and get a lot of targets next year. Uh, well, uh, uh, one thing I want to, I want to uh, bring up Kroll there. Uh, you know, we were talking about coaches 
uh, if there would be any coaching changes. We talked about, you know, Coach Borbley with the offensive line, how that struggled. Uh, Coach Salem with the tight ends. Uh, He's one of two remaining original coaches it, on the roster, yeah, him and Andre it, Powell for the running backs. Yeah, yeah. Narduzzi obviously has a very, you know, tight relationship with him, but – at what point do you, do you start looking at the coaching to start expecting, you know, maybe maybe, maybe he's got some other responsibilities that I'm not aware of. But you, you'd think at some point maybe a coach needs to be held accountable for some of these uh, shortcomings at the tight end position. Yeah, I I, I don't know what what to what to say here. I is it is it that <laughs> these this many recruits just can't catch? Or is it something behind the scenes? Maybe they don't practice catching footballs ever at that position for the Pitt Panthers. So Tim Salem, again, I'm not calling for anybody's job. It's 2020. But come on, man. How about some pass catching drills? Three hours before every game, too. Deontay Johnson style. Can I read this stat out uh, while we're talking about tight ends? Uh, Chris Pika at Panther Lair tweeted this. I saw this. Um, this is great. In 2016, Scott Orndoff caught 35 passes for 579 yards and five touchdowns. So 35 catches, 579, and five touchdowns. That was in one year in 2016. In four years since then, all of Pitt tight ends have combined for 90 catches, 778 yards, so not too much more than Orndoff's 579, and three touchdowns, um, not counting the one-trick play. So uh, that just shows you that there was a big drop-off in the past four years since Scott Orndoff uh, left. And, and the thing is, Scott Scott Orndorff made some big catches. Yeah. I mean, he looked. Yeah, uh, he yeah, was a key uh, part of that, that offense. Yeah, and that in that Clemson victory, uh, he had a big, big one. Um, I believe in the in the game against Georgia Tech, uh, he he had a big catch as, as well that was critical for, for a victory. Uh, that and and the, the these tight ends, my my goodness, just not just 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 nothing. It also just tells you how wonderful Scott Orndoff was too. Can't take away from him yeah. <laughs> a lot to li- a lot to live up to for these pit, pit tight ends, and they just have not since 2016. Uh, yeah, so we got uh, other players come back. AJ Davis, Damari Mathis off the injury. We'll see how he responds. Of course, um, we've had we had players this year that, that have a super excited for their future. Servassier Davis got to be most of all Vince, right? I mean. To burst onto the scene, expectations moving forward, all ACC, all day. Yeah, yeah, this guy uh, just outstanding uh, from the line, uh, just a, in, in a late ad in the recruiting process. And and this guy, uh, you you know, you can knock some of these recruiting rankings a lot, but uh, you know, Coach, Coach Narduzzi did an excellent job of identifying a guy, and this guy came in and immediately making an impact. Absolutely huge. Uh, also coming back next year, we believe, Alan, your guy, Kayshawn Camp, uh, which would be a huge boost um, to the interior of the defensive line if he could ever stay healthy and, and put it all together. Yeah, that's that's another one where the injuries have, have really prevented him from reaching his full potential. But, man, you're going to have some wily veterans coming back to the Pitt Panthers and either due to the pandemic or just having more eligibility or injury. This is going to be an interesting bunch. I'm going to call next year. It's not going to be like this year unique, but next year is going to be a unique year uh, when it comes to Pitt having a lot of the pieces necessary. It's just going to come down to execution and coaching, which we all scratch our heads about each and every single week. So maybe more of the same, Pam, but I'm pretty optimistic and feeling good as we head into 2021. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm just fed up with 2020. No, we need some optimism, and I think they've given us some good reason, reloading, picket coming back. Let's use the optimism. We all need it. I mean, we'll see if spring practices and, you know, the bad news maybe to follow at some point with some player that we don't we can't see forthcoming. But let's let's be optimistic as we close out the year here. Yeah. All and, right. And it's it I was gonna just add to to what Pam's saying for next year is that, you know, it's it's going to be a tough schedule next year, 
Uh, if you look ahead to what, you know, assuming that they stay on the same rotation in the ACC that's been planned, um, and uh, it it it's not going to be easy, but I think that this team, you know, can that there's some pieces there to live up to the challenge. And there's your football season in review. The season many of us didn't even think would finish. Pit football 2020, six and five, but still optimism at the tail end of this whole thing, even though in reality, if you assess it, they probably underachieved. But I'm finishing off with a smile on my face as a Pit fan. Can't wait for the return of Kenny Pickett in 2021. And off that high note, let's go over to Hoops, where Jeff Capel has COVID. But beat Miami, not coaching tonight against Louisville as of this live on tape podcast recording. Pitt Panthers taking on Louisville just about an hour. Jeff Capel, test positive, has his team turning around. We wish him the best, but just a week after Coach K and other coaches himself talking about the dangers of this college basketball season, Pam, this was a, a rough one to take hearing about Coach Capel testing positive late last week. Yeah, he's been very vocal and he said some very powerful things. He's such a great leader of young men, it seems like, a good leader for this program. Um, and it's a shame. Um, hopefully he continues to stay healthy. The good news is it looks like everyone's been following good protocols because no one else tested positive. Yeah. No one else has to sit out. So, you know, it just shows mask wearing and social distancing, even in close environments. I mean, if you do everything you should be doing, good things, uh, uh, the problem can be mitigated. So we hope Coach Capel and his family and everyone who's been around him continues to be negative and everything goes okay. Yeah, and with Christmas this week, masking up and being around family members, you know, it might be awkward, but you got to do it. We need to have everybody primed and ready. Got a big year in 2021 for pit hoops looking like the direction they're going. And of course, football. So please, everybody stay healthy this week and enjoy some pit basketball. Pit Louisville tonight. Duke coming up in just about a week too, Vince. I, I'm just enjoying watching pit hoops even if they're going to start losing now that they go into the ACC play, I want to see some competitive basketball, and I feel like we can get it. Yeah, I'm. I'm. That's. I'm fascinated to see this game tonight because they're going up against a team in Louisville, uh, you know, that they've you know traditionally struggled with. Even great pit teams uh, struggled with Louisville Cardinals, uh, a team that's always going to be having you know top top end talent. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how Pitt can can fare against a team like that. I'm not saying Louisville is a you know one of the you know top ten teams in the country this year. Probably not. Uh, they they got they got beat pretty bad by by Wisconsin. Uh, they they did beat a Seton Hall team though, so it, it'll be interesting to see how how Pitt, Pitt fares here. But uh, what you came back to Alan, I want to ask Pam about this: is that you want to see that continue improvement? You know, this is a team uh, that a few years ago was the worst team in the history of the ACC, some are saying. And, yeah, they and, said that on the broadcast. I, I know, the, against the, Miami. That was really shocking to me. I kind of took offense to that. Jeez. I, I don't know how long the ACC has been around, but this was the worst team in the history of it. And, you know, then, you know, Coach Capel comes along. Uh, they won three conference games. Last year they won six conference games. Uh, we're hoping this year that they could get a little bit more improvement, that they could get to, you know, uh, uh, a situation where maybe you have like around a 500 record. And if you could get a 500 record in the ACC uh, for a team that's not supposed to be any good, that that's 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 a uh, yeah. pretty good showing, in my opinion, uh, Pam. So, uh, what are you looking forward to see this team continuing to do well, continuing to, to improve? Uh, just a quick note the ACC started in 1953, and the ACC basketball tournament started in 1954. So, big history there. 70, almost 70 years. Yeah, I'd Worst like to see this team. 70 years. Jeez. 
I'd like to see this team uh, continue to rebound, continue to rebound, uh, game in and game out, um, and continue to have the effort um, in the rebounding aspect of the game. And if they can continue that, they're going to get more shots. Um, and more importantly, they're going to prevent their opponents from getting extra shots. So um, I want them to continue that, which they've been able to do. It'll be interesting to see what happens when they go against more talent. I mean, who knows what these teams look like Louisville Duke and how good they actually are, but we do know they have more talent than Pitt does, but Pitt Pitt has some pieces. So I want to see what happens in the next few games on the rebounding side of the ball. My man, Hughley, he's a defensive force. They don't want to go near him. He's mm-hmm. been all right. He looked pretty good against Miami. I'm so fascinated to see yeah, he the development, development of that young player. And of course, watching Justin Champagne do his thing. <laughs> We are hopefully witnessing one of the great pit basketball players uh, carving out his legacy. Big opportunity against Louisville and to close out the calendar here against Duke coming up too. On the women's side, currently one and two in the ACC. Uh, lost to FSU was the last game. Uh, but uh, you got you got a, a team that's, like you said last week, Pam, just vastly improved from last year. Yeah, and they didn't shoot too well against Florida State. Florida State's a very good team. Um, In the past, one of the top three or four in the ACC. We'll see where they finish this year, but a very good team, very good challenge. Um, They they just had a bad shooting night, um, but they the game just quickly got away from them, and that sometimes happens when you get, go against a more talented team. Um, they're off until New Year's Eve when they play Boston College, and this might be a game they should be able to win here against Boston College. Um, so I think uh, Lance White will have them ready to play and compete hard against Boston College. Not a way you want to go into a break, but maybe they'll remember that uh, little bit of a beating by Florida State there. Hoops, the hardwood is now where all of our attention will focus. We are going to be covering it extensively here on the Hell to Pit podcast, and we are excited for it. The future doesn't look super bright, but bright enough and like like the theme of this episode, Vince, just some some optimism that you could find. If you're looking for it, you're going to find it when it comes to pit women's basketball, pit men's basketball, pit football, 2021. I mean, it's just the dark days. They're they're going to be over soon. Like just like that song says. <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly hope so. Uh, I'm already looking forward to the football season next year no doubt about that and and both these basketball teams are 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 getting better you know the programs are getting better uh you know coming into this year none of us were expecting you know an ncaa tournament appearance but you know not that we can't set the building blocks for maybe in 2022 uh that maybe we'll see uh some ncaa tournament appearances from these teams let's roll march madness is it possible? We'll be talking about that coming up in January. But but now we got to talk about what people are talking about online. And there's only one thing we're going to hit on this week. And it is just perfect for this week. Christmas week. All the holiday spirit you can handle on the Pitternet. Can you explain what Internet is? I hear there's rumors on the uh, Internet. And to all those faceless keyboard warriors on Twitter... We're a good dog football team. I'm proud of these guys. So for this week, Vince submitted something from Panther Lair in the style of Winter Wonderland, it looks like. And I read this thing, and it looks like a chronicle of pit football in song form, but it looks like it's maybe three times as long as the actual Winter Wonderland song. And I asked him, do you really want me to read this whole thing? <laughs> the podcast? That'll be the whole podcast. Because this Section 5 person on Panther Lair really carved out a magnum opus here. A chronicling of pit football through the years in song form. Yeah, this person really you know, put a lot of time and effort into this. And I, and I feel like it, it needs, to be, uh, needs to be showcased. So it's a parody song, Pam. And... You know, it, it's got some lines in here. Like, I'll read one line. It's, uh, 
this one makes more sense than the one I highlighted that I'll get to, but here's one. I'll do two. So this one goes in comes Graham, expectations, Tino sacks, interceptions, the left land close the left lane la land left land closed down as Froddy <laughs> slips down walking in a winter blunder Graham. So different lines about pit football. Some of them are either poorly copied by Vince or just poorly written by section five, but the, no, I, I <laughs> you copy paste it. I'm sure just so we can yeah. give this person their, their due. Great job. I'm not knocking it, but some of it's hard to read. Like this line as someone who creates Christmas parody songs every year for family Christmas Eve. I mean, you cannot Pam ever try to rhyme a word with the word orange. It's impossible. Yeah. It's it's just a faux pas. So here's the line I picked out. It's two games left, dreaming orange. Whoops, we're pit. Pass the syringe. Goose egged at VT. Crap the bed to BC. Ten straight years in five plus lost land. Now, they end hard there, section five, but you can't say syringe with orange there, but at least they got the point across. Yeah, those were bad times for Pitt back then. Yeah, yeah, they were. I'll, I'll give I'll give you another one that reminds me of some pretty bad times. <laughs> Christ is born, our new savior, new regime, save behave, same behavior. Lost to YSU Pens, wide right at South Bend, winter number three in Birmingham. <laughs> that was horrible. That's the one horrible. I was gonna pick. I'm, well, I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> horrible. Three straight years in a, in a nothing bowl game uh, in a, a, a just a nothing against Birmingham, Alabama. I'm sure it's a great place, but not a desirable bowl game you want to go to. And then one of the worst parts about that bowl game is it was always played after New Year's Day. And, yeah. and it, it was a nothing bowl after New Year's Day, uh, one that people completely forgot about. Uh, <laughs> just, just absolutely horrible in a time where you know, uh, Coach Wanstead was leaving, and you just didn't know where this team was going to go, and it was, oh. Coach Wanstead on Cameo. I mean, if anybody's looking to get me a Christmas present late, <laughs> I mean, I would not mind that. Hail the number two pit podcast at gmail.com if you want to email me that uh, Wani Cameo. Pam, did you see the one I sent you that I found posted on Twitter? He's a good Cameo person. The stash. I didn't. Yeah, I uh, I did not see that one. Oh, it's gold. The, Dave wants that. The stash. Great. Well, let's uh, section five. Just want to say you did an awesome job. This is beautiful. I highly encourage everyone on Panther Lair to go read this and sing this to their all their pit family members over Christmas. Finishing off strong here too, saying pick it back. Fifth year senior. Suddenly grass is greener. Hail to pit now, let's go. Time to bust this plateau. Ten win season finally at hand. Hail to pit to you, Section 5. Bust-ass Christmas Carol parody. I loved it, and I'm so happy you found that, Vince. Great job on the pitternet. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a, it, excellent work from, from Section 5 there. Um, all, always good stuff on Panther Lear you can find. Um but, but Alan, there, there's uh, still a lot of optimism and, and just and still some skeptical stuff uh, just surrounding 2020 and, and Kenny Pickett returning. Yeah, Kenny Pickett returning means a lot of uh, potential uh, changes to the history books for Pitt Panthers uh, lore that some of the old timers I heard around town are not too fond of. I'm back in town and, you know, I was. I was just shoveling all the snow that piled up in front of my house while I was gone in Miami. And my neighbor, while I was out there, was out there talking to me from across the street. He said, you hear Kenny Pickett's back while you were gone. That, that news make it down there. And I said, yeah, I heard. And he said, <laughs> and he said, I don't know about that. And then I just kept shoveling. But they're talking about Pickett still just a couple weeks later, Vince. As they should. Another Saturday coming and the Panthers are playing. Time to find out what the answers are saying. You know Kenny Pickett's probably going to break all Marino's records in that next year. Yeah, but they got to put that big ask risk on them, all them stats, you know. 
It's a different game. Yeah, I mean, if if Van Pelt was playing now, he'd he'd be Heisman for sure. More so than Pickett. Hell to pit. So that's what the Inzers are saying. Everybody hyped up uh, that Kenny Pickett coming back and just get this year 2020 behind us, Alan. Uh, the, the college football regular season come to a close uh, this past week. We now know who's going to be uh, in the college football uh, playoff, seeing these final rankings. And, and I know Pam certainly has a lot to say about it. I'm sure you do as well. Oh, college football. I can't believe I have a bowl game on in front of me as we're doing this. I was, I'm kind of just was hoping it would all be over and we'd crown Alabama champs, but that apparently is not what's going to happen. They're going to try to play these games, Pam, and I am not that excited for them at all. Um, I'm excited for Ohio State to get stomped by Clemson in, in, uh, in one of the playoff games. Alabama's going to roll over Notre Dame, and we're going to get Alabama-Clemson. Based, I, I think there was a scenario where some of these games could have been more competitive, looking at the rankings and putting some different teams in there. But a, what, six-win Ohio State team at number three uh, is a bunch of crap from the committee and this is some of the worst rankings i've seen um ever i mean this is absolutely horrific and as to be expected i was yelling at the tv on sunday at noon when these came out and of course they dragged it out the other rankings they didn't drag out this one they did and i was just uh being drugged along the ground to be disappointed. I'm just bummed that uh, USC totally blew any arguments I would have had for this sec- segment this week, uh, losing that Pac-12 championship game. So I'm, I'm kind of just upset at that, but I am happy that you know it's going to be a massacre for Notre Dame against Bama. If you think these rankings are horrific, just imagine what they're going to have to experience. <laughs> they're Going into next season, you're going to say Notre Dame's last two games, they – they just were absolutely embarrassed more so than any other time in school history, except maybe last time they played Alabama in a title game. So that's exciting, I guess. But I like Dabo's throw, been throwing all kinds of uh, the shade, as the cool kids call it, at Ohio State. Well, there's not a lot of tape on them because they've hardly played any games. So I guess, you know, we're going to just go by what we've seen so far. <laughs> He's, well, yeah, that's all you could do. <laughs> <laughs> taking the jabs poor Cincinnati. I don't think can I, I'm just going to make a case for my poor, poor Cincinnati. I don't think they should have been in the playoff. However, I think they should have been ranked like above Florida. I do think they should have been ranked above Oklahoma. I mean, it's just, I mean, I know it doesn't matter, but I just, for them, it's just terrible. And Ohio state, this is going to be, this is terrible. They've set bad precedents uh, here. It's just going to be awful. I, I, I'm so disgusted with what happened. And we get Alabama. We're going to have Alabama Clemson round, what, four or five at this point in the championship game. Yeah. yeah I'm, uh, you would think. I'm here for that. I'm here for Lawrence trying to get one from Bama uh, uh, one more time before he goes yeah. to the Jaguars, I guess, now is what where he'll probably end up going. Yeah. Um, yep. But Cincinnati should be playing in the spring. According to my good, close, personal, longtime dear good <laughs> friend, June Jones, who Vince and I got to speak with last week, uh, there should be two worlds or maybe three different worlds of college football that we experience as fans each year. There should be a spring world. There should be this normal, traditional fall world. A team like Cincinnati should be playing in the spring in, 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 in like a Serie B, uh, Vince. What do you think? <laughs> It's just crazy. I mean, that, you know, they go and they beat a ranked team in a championship game. And they, you know, other t- other teams still, you know, still, still uh, are, are above, uh, above them. And I, you know, I will say this, you know, if Florida is a three-loss team. If Florida, and, and I think Florida is very good. I think if Florida played Cincinnati, Florida would probably win. But how could you still continue to say a three-loss team uh, or even a two-loss Oklahoma team are, are ahead of Cincinnati, a team that 
Yes, they did play in this other world, but they, it, the, that world had a lot of ranked teams in it yeah. that they beat. Uh, More so, so than Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, and the, and <laughs> and I, so I don't I don't understand. I, like I said, I, I'm not necessarily advocating for Cincinnati to be in the top four, but the fact that they were anywhere lower than six to me uh, doesn't doesn't quite make. Uh, doesn't yeah. quite make any sense. With Ohio how little, State, with how little sense this all makes, I'm thinking. I don't know, Pam. Did you see that SNL skit where they ha- they made it like the Jets news network where they pretended the Jets were undefeated or they the whole thing was j- just. It I was saw all parts re- of it. Yes, <laughs> it's great. All reports that the Jets are basically undefeated and the best team. Maybe we should just turn this whole show into that and just talk about how Pitt is unstoppable. And as far as we're concerned, they're the national champions right now because that's about how much sense all of these rankings make. Uh, Sugar Bowl, I'm calling it. I'm calling it the Truvia Bowl because. It's artificial, it's phony, and it shouldn't be happening. Ohio State, I can't wait for them to get blown out against Clemson and get what they deserve. Pam, I'm with you. Yeah, and I I mean, but if you look at Cincinnati's resume against Ohio State's resume, Cincinnati's resume is better. Ohio State hasn't played anyone. I mean, they played Northwestern and Indiana, and both teams, they struggled when they actually played competition. I... I think the problem here, this year's a weird year. So taking this year out, a lot of these bigger schools, they want they want Cincinnati and the non-power five to play a better non-conference schedule. But these big, bigger schools don't want to play these teams because it's a potential for a loss. Yeah, th- this was and in, in this in this weird season, it, the big teams could not go play. They chose not to play. Uh, non-conference games. Uh, so it's not like Cincinnati even had a chance. So you know, if, I, if I'm Cincinnati, you know, I, I would be so upset that the committee didn't just come out and say that the first week, it, the first rankings revealed, they should have just said, listen, if you're not in a Power 5 conference, we're just not going to include you because it doesn't matter what you do. Uh, and this this was a year where yeah, a Cincinnati, you know, maybe should have been deserving. I, I, you know, I'm not saying I would have put them in over a Notre Dame or a, or an Oklahoma or in a Texas A&M, but I think the the discussion could have been there. I, I you know, I think they should have been considered. Uh, you know, I think Florida's. I think Florida's probably to me. I think Florida's one of the one of the four best teams, but. But they lost three games. They they don't they don't deserve to make it. That's just how it goes. Ohio State, yeah, they might be one of the four best teams, but when you you don't really play anybody and you only played six games, when, when other teams are playing, you know, twelve games, twice as many games, and it's, it's just getting out of control. Resumes are important. Well, they should be. Um, but in a year, maybe it was confusing to the committee. Should we give them the benefit of the doubt? I'm not. What are you doing, football fans? I don't probably, you're probably upset, and you're probably still going to watch anyway, and give them all those ad dollars, and they'll just continue right along. Should I start chanting BCS, BCS, Vince? Is that the only way to get the change that's necessary? That You don't want to go backwards, no. Well, no, I, I'm... Not necessarily. I mean, this I, is I a year where, well, I, I will say this, this year, I think the BCS would have been appropriate because then you wouldn't have had to mess around with these uh, non-conference games that or these, uh, these semifinal games that probably don't need to happen uh, because, you know, Alabama and Clemson are probably going to win anyway. I mean, uh, and it, I, we shouldn't go that far uh, in that, you know, Ohio State is only a, a seven or a seven and a half point underdog uh, to Clemson. So it wouldn't be that unfathomable. But if Clemson goes out there and just absolutely destroys Ohio State and Alabama does, does the same, this is a year when the BCS would have been appropriate because it would have just matched the two best teams and you wouldn't have to mess around with all this. You know, sh- should they, uh, you know, should they be the number four team or, or who should have been the number three team? It, it wouldn't have mattered. Some years it makes sense. Some years it doesn't. Uh, and I don't know what a computer would have thought about Cincinnati. 
guess it depends on what kind of computer you're using. Yeah, it, yeah. If it's a if it's a Mac or if it's a if it's a Windows PC where it was manufactured, you know, they got you got to take all that into account. I just say, let them play it out, and let's put a big old fat asterisk on if any team besides Alabama wins because I think they're the champions. I'm excited to see a wide receiver win the Heisman. And I'm excited for 2020 to finally come into an end, Pam. Do we have any more shows left, or are we going to leave it at this for this year? I think we're going to leave it at this for this year because the uh, the basketball teams are pretty much on a break, and we did our football recap. I think this is a good good one to end on for the year. Wipe our hands okay. clean of 2020. I like it. That's a good good strategy. So, so with that with that said, I mean, what what we got left here, Vince? We got college football coming to the close. So- Pit. I just saw Steve Ensminger is going to a consultant role at LSU from the offensive coordinator position. Fingers crossed. Hope Whipple does that. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of coaching changes happening around the country, uh, specifically at LSU. Uh, Bo Pelini is no longer going to be there. Don that, Brown's out at Michigan. Yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot of changes um, what that we'll have to monitor. I think we're all in agreement that Alabama and Clemson are going to face off for the championship game. Uh, so, you know, I guess whenever we uh, return in the new year, we'll be uh, predicting the winner of that. And uh, hopefully we'll have some more Panthers uh, basketball victories to talk about. And uh, and you know, we'll see what happens on the coaching front at Pitt. We'll definitely have to have our fingers on the pulse of that situation. And you know we will right here on the Hell to Pit podcast. That's what we do. Pam, you got anything left? Happy New Year and Hell to Pit. Wear a mask. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to all of you pit football, basketball, sports fans. Thank you for uh, getting through 2020 with us and and keep keep on listening to the show. We appreciate it. We see the numbers and you're still there and you're still following pit sports. That means you're still alive and healthy and kicking. And that's what we want for you in 2021 for you and yours. So until next year. For Vince, for Pam, I'm Alan. Hell to pit, everybody! Living